1310 AM, 94.5 FM. in and Toth presents The Shift with Jack Johnson on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM at 94.5 FM. Another day, another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez. Two days to go before we hit the weekend, including this one, of course, and before we endure a wild divisional round weekend. And even though our days are dwindling down that we can run the spread, we're still going to do it as long as we've got enough teams to do so. And that might end next week. Even though it'd be just two games, we can maybe go more in-depth for it. So actually, maybe this would be the final week we do any sort of running the spread segment because there's more than just two games to pick from. There are four games to pick from, which begin on Saturday. It's going to be on ESPN, kickoff at 3.30. The Baltimore Ravens, the number one seed in the AFC, are hosting the Cinderella Story Houston Texans rookie head coach rookie quarterback and the Ravens are a nine and a half point favorite the total at 43 and a half Uh, kind of a cool thing for CJ Stroud that his NFL debut was at M&T Bank Stadium all the way back in week one and that game was not very close he was unbelievably overwhelmed that Baltimore defense got after him but we've seen how much different this Texans team has been since week one. What a what a far way they have come uh, in the last 14 to 15 weeks. As for Baltimore, you know, like Buffalo this upcoming weekend, all the pressure in the world is on them. And it's a lot of pressure for a team that has not fared well in the postseason with Lamar Jackson. They've got one playoff win. That came a few years back against Ryan Tannehill and the Titans. Other than that, though, it has been disaster after disaster for Baltimore. The last time they had a team this good record-wise, they were the number one seed in 2019 going into the 2020 playoffs. They were 14-2, had a bye in the first round, and then took on the Tennessee Titans. And that Titans team beat them comfortably, ending their dream season. To me, Jake, this spread feels a little too high for a playoff game. And for a Houston team that, though is very young, has a very prolific offense. Uh, They can really spread the ball around. I know it can be a rookie quarterback in this spot, but C.J. Stroud showed no signs of nerves last week in beating the Cleveland Browns 45-14. Really looked like he was super comfortable already grabbing playoff win number one. Now you go into a very tough environment, but you're facing a team that has had a bye. They might be a little bit rusty in the early going, and the spread, way too big, in my opinion. Way, way, way too big. I mean, I understood it last week for Buffalo and Pittsburgh. This is a very good Houston team. This is a much better Houston team than Pittsburgh ever was, and even though it's a better Baltimore team than Buffalo was, Baltimore just feels like they could come out a little bit rusty, and this could be a game in the first half. And if it's a game in the first half, I'd imagine it's going to be a game by the end of the fourth quarter. It's kind of a no-brainer to me 
I think Baltimore wins, but this game's going to be close. Give me ball or give me Houston, excuse me, plus nine and a half in this game. I think C.J. Stroud and that offense, Nico Collins, can keep things interesting enough, long enough, so that Baltimore will have to sweat it out in the end as they hope to host the AFC Championship game next weekend. So plus nine and a half in favor of Houston is my pick. Jake? Look, uh, Lamar Jackson hasn't shown us anything. I mean, there is a stigma around him that when he gets to the playoffs, he clutches. So everything points to this being a close game and even like maybe a possible upset. Well, I'm going the other way. I'm taking the points. I, 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 I see Lamar Jackson. I see this Ravens team, and they look different to me this year. This is a big game for them. I think Lamar Jackson has more pressure on him than any of the other seven quarterbacks in any of these games. Um, it's, it's, they're not going to have an easier road to the, to the Super Bowl than they have right now. They got home field advantage throughout. They had a week of rest. I think this defense is going to throw a lot at Stroud. I think, I think it might be a little big, bit too big of a, a stage for him. I hope he proves me wrong. Look, I would love to see the Texans go in there and upset the Ravens. That means the winner of the Bills and Chiefs game would be hosting the AFC Championship. I'm all for that, but I just I don't think I don't think that's likely. I think uh, I've been to I want to say 29 of the NFL stadiums. Mm-hmm. And uh, Steven asked me this question yesterday. Out of all the games that are being played this weekend, which which is, I've been to all those stadiums except for Levi. I, I did a game back in Old Candlestick. Um, but this is the biggest home field advantage in my opinion. Really? More, Even, than, over in Buffalo. more than Highmark. Even more than Buffalo. Well, I'd imagine, too, that's a great point because Highmark looks really small on TV. Is, well, it, is it's, it small in person? It's it's graded out weirdly, okay. meaning like it it kind of extends out like the you know like like the Rose Bowl kind yep. of. So it, it, that's why the wind gets crazy in there because mm-hmm. it, it's not very high of mm-hmm. a roof. It's not blocking anything, right? And so uh, in terms of just noise, uh, M and T is one of the, the loudest I've been to Seattle. It's the loudest stadium I've ever been to. Wow! It it, it, it literally shakes. It shakes. I've been underneath the stadium, and the place is shaking. It's so loud. Um, I think it just might be And look. Stroud's played in big-time games in college, mm-hmm. and I think that's why he was able to step up on last weekend to the Browns because he, he, he's played in, in the big rivalries, the Michigan-Ohio mm-hmm. State game, massive Horseshoe, games. yeah. Right. So I don't think he's intimidated, but I think this is going to be a level of football that he's never seen before in an atmosphere that's quite like unlike any other that he's experienced. So, look, I, I expect the kid to go in and, and, and show out a little bit. But at the end, I think it's going to be close around halftime. And at the end, the Ravens are going to flex. And I, I see this being a double-digit win for the Ravens. Uh, I just I think it's going to be a little bit too much because they're coming off a high. That win against the Browns, I mean, they were the underdogs yeah. in their own place. Mm-hmm. And so like I think 12 win Browns team right. or something like 11, 12. So they're going in there with nothing to lose. But I also think that winning last week was the pinnacle for them. Mm-hmm. I think they understand that. And I think this game is everything for the Ravens. This is a legacy game. It is for Lamar Jackson. And so with that, all 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 the chips on the table. All that said, I think the Ravens are going to come out, and, and they're playing with a chip on their sh- shoulder. I mean, it, Lamar just looks different. I mean, in his interviews, 
I mean, in his post-game interviews, he looks like he's a man on a mission. Because if he do, if if somehow he doesn't even make it to the Super Bowl, like it's going to be a letdown. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a letdown, and I think he's going to step up to the pressure. And 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 look, Jim Harbaugh is one of the, one of the John Harbaugh. Pardon me. Yeah, John Harbaugh is one of the best coaches going right now. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I believe he's a top five coach in the league, and I think he's going to have this team ready to go. I think that defense is going to be a little too much for the Texans, so I'll take uh, the Ravens in laying the points, nine and a half. It is going to be very interesting, and I think, you know, even though the NFC has got good stories, and we'll get to those games in a second, man, the AFC really has the future quarterbacks, the future of this league all playing this Absolutely. weekend. I mean, you get Lamar, a soon-to-be two-time MVP winner. You get C.J. Stroud, who looks like the next young, great quarterback in the NFL, and then Mahomes at Allen. I mean, seriously, it's going to be a a just great quarterback weekend. Uh, even on the NFC side, there's just good stories. I think the AFC, it's like the firepower. It's like you just can't deny those are all great quarterbacks. The NFC side, it's like... It's, I don't think a lot of people expected the four quarterbacks on the NFC side, but we'll get to those in a second here. So Jake's got the Ravens winning by double digits. I got the Texans hanging around for a little bit, covering that nine-and-a-half-point spread. Here we go. Here are two teams that maybe with their quarterbacks weren't expected two years ago to be playing in a game like this. You get the Packers and Jordan Love on the road. Levi Stadium against the Niners. And Brock Purdy, the only stadium Jake's not been to, but I'm going to count it because you went to Candlestick. So you've technically seen every single NFL stadium in a city. Yes. Like that, we can count that here. So you you have checked all the boxes there. Uh, I am very curious, though, later on in the show, how you could compare Candlestick to maybe what we see on TV with Levi Stadium, the noise of it. Because I did not know that about M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore. But as for this specific game, you get the Packers coming in after a blowout win against the Dallas Cowboys in Arlington. They're going to have to go on the road the rest of the way. They will not be a home game at Lambeau Field for the Packers. And they're going to take on a Niners team like Baltimore that just is coming off a bye. But I would also say a Niners team that's lost a little bit of its power. A very, very scary group. After we saw what they did to Philadelphia in Philly, winning by 23. Then after that, I would say just okay. Now they beat up on Seattle and Arizona and Washington, but lost to Baltimore in that by 14 at home. And that, to me, kind of showed maybe they're good enough to pound on the lesser teams, but if they're stacked up against a really good one, it's not going to be the outcome you think because... As we've said so many times before with quarterback playing the NFL, if your quarterback is just a system guy, he can't really elevate you, eventually that's going to uh, run out your luck, I think. Brock Purdy cannot win you a game unless everything goes right. We saw in that Baltimore game when he had four interceptions. Not many quarterbacks can overcome that in general, but when things don't go according to the system, according to the game plan, Brock Purdy can't really improvise. I mean, it's very much reliant on Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. Use those weapons. Use your defense. You win this football game. But I don't know how to bet with Green Bay right now. Typically, the Niners have had the number of Green Bay over the last couple years in the playoffs. Remember the Niners with, uh, that was still Jimmy G, go into the snow in Lambeau in 2021, and they upend the number one Packers. Then you go back to the year the Chiefs and Niners met in the Super Bowl. The 49ers blew the doors off Rodgers and the Packers in the NFC Championship game. Kind of feels like it's one of those teams. Like we talk about with the Chiefs and the Bills, how the Chiefs have the number of Buffalo, the Niners have the number of Green Bay, at least of late. 
Another big spread, though, here. Nine and a half. And this will be another week where Jordan Love and the Packers are big-time underdogs. I just think that Brock Purdy's losing a little bit of his little bit of his magic, a little bit of his shine. He even had 31 touchdowns, only 11 picks on the season. But I just want to attribute that to having Christian McCaffrey in your backfield. I mean, it's just easy to score a lot of points when you have that. They're a very well-rounded team. We know that. Prolific offense, really good defense. Uh, they have no problem picking up yards. Uh, they're top 10 in time of possession. They're top 5 in third down efficiency. They're top 7 in sacks, and they're number 1 in interceptions. Across the board, the Niners are the most well-balanced team, I believe, in the NFL. It comes down to how much does that week off affect them. If I'm going to say that Houston and C.J. Stroud can cover against Baltimore, I got to think with one game under their belt, like Jordan Love had against uh, Dallas, or Jordan Love and the Packers, I should say, they can cover this spread. Packers are a good team. Uh, They really proved me wrong. I thought they were terrible. They were a disaster about five, six weeks in. Here they are now. NFC Divisional game. Big spread. They're underdog once again. I like the way Jordan loves playing. Give me the Packers plus nine and a half on the road. Interesting pick. It it is a good matchup. You have LaFleur coming from the Shanahan tree, so they're both very familiar with each other. Um, I'm riding love in LaFleur. I think what they have going. I do not think they go in there and win this game. I do think they keep it close. I believe I read since 2005. I don't. I don't. I believe 05 was the the year, but both number one seeds have not both covered in the divisional oh. round since then. So hmm. I'm on the Packers. So you're you're gonna be. We're gonna see how this plays out because maybe yep. maybe this is the year. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe two blowouts. Yep. Maybe two blowouts for the number one seeds. I think the Ravens are going to be that team to cover, and I think the Packers are going to be the team that that goes into Levi Stadium and, and gives the Niners all they want. I, I just, I think with Lafleur knowing how the Shanahan system runs, that system runs when you're on time, mm-hmm. and I think they'll be able to game plan against that, keeping them off their note. And and I think. I, I saw a lot out of the out of the Packers when they played against the Chiefs. I just I loved what they were doing in terms of not allowing the Chiefs to make substitutions, getting to the line, going into the hurry up, and then letting the play clock run down, right? Letting them get set, letting Love kind kind of feel out the defense, see what he sees, and, and that you know that helped the Packers alleviate the blitz from Spagnolo, and, and so. I, I love what I'm seeing out of them. I did not expect them to go down to Dallas and just lay, lay a beat down, a curb stomping to the, the Cowboys last weekend. But they did. And, and I don't know, is it a combination of the, of the Cowboys just not being ready? Or was it how good the Packers look? Because mm-hmm. what they do so well is they run the ball on first down and, and, and it gets them into second and seven, second and six. And, and that opens up the play action for love. And when his back's turned to you, he's so good under center. When his back's turned to you, you don't know if he's handing it off to Jones, which is, by the way, that guy's going really good right now. He looks healthy. He does. He looks like he's going really good. That offensive line is, is strong with the Packers. So I think with that all said, I think that this game's going to be a close one. I think it's going to be closer than the AFC one in, you know, one seed game. I, I, I like the Packers to keep it close. But I still think the Niners pull this out. I'll take the Packers and the points. 
All right, so that takes us into Sunday. And you feel like, man, it, since there were so many blowouts in, in the wild card weekend, maybe we're due for some good football games. Yeah, the divisional round's easily my favorite weekend of, mm-hmm. the, of the playoffs. There's no more, you know, team that just snuck in, like Pittsburgh, that got blown out. On the NFC side, though, there's really nobody that snuck in. Now that you have this team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in the divisional round, usually you'd say the NFC South champion, by default, gets an additional game, even though they'd get blown out. But they were the ones... Blowing out Philadelphia 32 to 9 in the wild card weekend. So that sets them up with a date in Detroit against the Lions. I would probably argue the average NFL fans team to root for because of all the turmoil and tragedy that they've gone through as a football franchise for three decades. If you're not rooting for the Lions and you don't have a team in the playoffs, I don't really know who you'd be rooting for. Houston. Maybe, maybe you root for Lamar in Baltimore, but it has to be Detroit, it feels like, considering just all the bad football they've been through for years. They've got a coach that's likable in Dan Campbell. They have a quarterback that's likable in Jared Goff. They're a fun, young team. They're exciting. Uh, I feel like after they got wronged in Dallas on the reporting or not reporting. Ball don't lie. The ball don't lie situation where Dallas gets eliminated now because the officials kind of screwed up a end-of-the-game situation. So that kind of had everybody jump on the bandwagon for Detroit if you aren't if you weren't already on it. And that sets them up here against Tampa Bay, who should be a team that a lot of people like. Baker Mayfield, they're the underdog. It's Tampa Bay. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield, a former 1-1 pick, thought his career might be over after being let go by Carolina. I mean, was benched in Carolina, and I think that says more about Carolina than it ever did for uh, Baker Mayfield. But he's making it work. This is a fun offense to watch. At least it was against Philadelphia. You take it with a grain of salt, though, because Philly's defense, in my opinion, was the worst in the playoffs, and I could probably just back that up with stats. not really opinion. It is a fact. They were terrible defense. Tackling was awful. Uh, Secondary coverage was awful. Couldn't really get after Baker Mayfield. And I just don't think I see... Baker and this Bucks offense having similar success against this Detroit defense. Uh, what a monumental moment this is for them. Uh, and they're going to know their fate as to where they'll be going next weekend if they are to win. I mean, if the Packers go and upend San Francisco at Levi Stadium, the Lions could be playing for a chance to go to the Super Bowl next week against the seventh seed. But you don't want to get too ahead of yourself. You want to take care of business first things first. And I mean, the Rams were a better opponent than Tampa Bay. So that's what's going great for a team like Detroit. Instead of getting Philadelphia, who maybe five, six weeks ago, that would have been pretty scary, you get the NFC South champion. Do we really think that Baker Mayfield and the Bucks are getting to an NFC title game? I don't think so. And this spread feels a lot better to bet in favor of Detroit than it has been for the Niners and the Ravens at almost 10. This is only six and a half in favor of Detroit. Should be a a fantastic atmosphere. It's going to lead us into the heavyweight showdown between the Chiefs and the Bills. I love Baker. I love the Bucks, But this seems like a Lions team of destiny. Give me the Lions minus six and a half. Hopefully it's fun for all four quarters. But I think by the end of it, the Lions can get this one by a touchdown. Yeah, I I think, look, I hesitate after watching the Bucks defense Monday night. Really impressive. Mm Mm-hmm. But then it, it, is it because the Eagles had just given up 
I yeah, mean, it must have been. I mean, I, I feel like that's the case. Baker's a great story. We have two former overall number one picks going. There are only two of four number one overall picks that have won playoff games with two teams. The other two quarterbacks being Peyton Manning and Alex Smith. So great stories here. I mean, I love Jared Goff and the chip on his shoulder that he's playing with because we forget this guy took a team to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. and then and was given, discarded. Yeah, given up on. And, and so I think he's got a lot to play for. I think Baker Mayfield, great story. But, I mean, my man, Dan Campbell, from his opening press conference, you know. All right, and so this team's going to be built on, uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth. Okay. All right, and when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And all when right. you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off. Ouch. All right, and we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down. All right, and on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap, and we're going to get up. And then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk <laughs> out of you before before long, where they're going to be the last one standing. And I think after the end of this game, they will be the last one standing. I'm going to take the Lions and the points, laying them. Um, I just, I, I like everything about this Lions team. I think dark horse to get to the Super Bowl even. Uh, I mean, they, they they were everybody's darling going into the offseason at, you know, 9-8. Mm-hmm. and eight. They barely missed the playoffs last year. They come into Arrowhead. They knock the Chiefs out in the first week of the season on their own home field. Um, I just think, you know, I heard that press conference. I remember it three years ago, and I'm like, this guy's a little crazy, but I kind of like him. And then they went out and went three and thirteen, mm-hmm. three thirteen and one, I think. And it's like, okay, well. And then they had the year they had last year, and I just, I, I like. At the time, I, I wasn't crazy about their draft, but mm-hmm. look, that's why I'm I'm sitting behind a microphone and not in their front <laughs> office, right? Because Sam Laporta, great draft pick. He's healthy. That's a big deal. Um, because that was a big concern for me last week. Mm-hmm. And he went out, had a touchdown. You know, Jamar Gibbs, I, I, the kid's electric. And then they have the one-two punch with, you know, David Montgomery. And I think that I think that with golf, and then they got the danger man, St. Brown on the outside, and Josh Reynolds looked great against mm-hmm. the Rams. I just think it's too much firepower because I was holding out hope. I was like, maybe the, maybe the Bucks could make this a game, and, and they still could. Mm-hmm. But I think the momentum is all with the Lions. I think they're going to have a crazy home field advantage. The Lions fans are starving for a, a huge win like this that mm-hmm. would catapult this team into the NFC Championship. The way the cards fell, fell in their favor with the Cowboys losing, I, I just I feel like this is a team of destiny. I'm going to take the Lions, and uh, six and a half is not going to be enough for me. So, I, I do hope we get a Niners-Lions NFC Championship game because that'll just be electric. Um, you know, not that the Niners have had any lack of success. They've kind of been this this pinnacle almost of the NFC teams. I mean, last year, if Brock Purdy doesn't get hurt against Philly, do they beat Philadelphia uh, in Philadelphia? We'll never know because they were down to Christian McCaffrey, yeah, as their quarterback in that game at one point. So, to me, it's like you have the Niners who are the pinnacle of the NFC. Uh, They are the team that's always in the NFC Championship game, and you're going to have this upstart Lions team who is very good. They're not a Cinderella team like Tampa Bay. But considering what they went through, man, if we get that matchup, that would be phenomenal next weekend. And if you watch that game, which I'm sure you all will, on Sunday afternoon, it'll lead you in perfectly to the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills at Highmark Stadium, Orchard Park in Buffalo. And what a storyline this is. 
there's people trying to discredit this game and saying that Mahomes and Allen is in a rivalry because Mahomes has beaten him twice and that Mahomes' worst year would have been Allen's best year. Come on now. This this is a rivalry. These two teams hate each other. These are two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And for the first time since meeting in the playoffs, this one will be played in Buffalo. The Bills, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Looks like it's dropped down a half a point on the Vegas spread. The total at 45 and a half again kickoff at 5 30 on cbs it'll be nance and romo oh man this really even though it's two and a half it just feels like a pick em game i'm not going to be shocked either way who wins this football game if buffalo wins they win by seven not shocked if kansas city wins i'll be impressed just being here in kansas city but i'm not going to be floored these are two very evenly matched teams We saw that in the regular season matchup. Only that time, the Chiefs didn't have Isaiah Pacheco. They did not have Drew Tranquil. Uh, There were some key guys missing. And this time for Buffalo, they're hobbled on the defensive side. They are hobbled. Uh, It's going to be another freezer bowl type of game. Very cold at Orchard Park. You're going to deal with this rabid fan base. It's Patrick Mahomes' first true road game. Do I go with who I think is the hotter team, which is Buffalo, or do I go with the history in the playoffs where that Buffalo does not win this football game? I'm so torn, and I'm probably going to change my mind three or four times before the weekend is here. My gut tells me, though, that Kansas City wins this. I really think that having Isaiah Pacheco in this game changes the formula that the Chiefs just simply didn't have in that regular season game. Um, I, I think that this Chiefs defense, as elite as they are, you know that can play into Josh Allen making more mistakes than he did against Pittsburgh. This is a quarterback that is prone to make mistakes in big-time moments, most notably when they're in the red zone. This is one of the best defenses he's faced all season long. And even though I'm not going to read too much in that regular season game, uh, we know this game is being played in Buffalo because Kadarius Tony lined up offsides. Who knows if Buffalo even makes the playoffs if Kadarius Tony lines up onsides in that situation. But this is the heavyweight showdown of the weekend, at least here in Kansas City it is. You could probably say that the Ravens and the Texans are, or maybe it's the Packers and the Niners for you. This is it for me. This is the granddaddy, and this is why it's on Sunday night and not Saturday afternoon. I think I am going to stick with Kansas City here. Sounds like a homer pick. But Buffalo's hop, like I go back to the Miami game last week. I I did factor in the weather, but I was like, Miami's so banged up defensively. And no, Buffalo's not missing all of their starters, but they're missing a couple of key guys in their linebacking core. It's an aging defense. Plays well to the Chiefs. And also another thing that I saw in that Pittsburgh game, boy, I mean, Mason Rudolph's not a great quarterback. He was carving them up in the late part of the second quarter and in the third quarter because of the zone defense. I mean, Pat Fryermuth, Deontay Johnson, and George Pickens wide open in the middle. That plays well to Kansas City, who loves to attack the soft spots of the zone with Travis Kelsey, with Rashi Rice. Feels like a good formula in this game. It's really a true pick game. You can go any way with this. You really can. I'm going to side with Kansas City pulling off the theoretical upset in Orchard Park. So give me Kansas City plus two and a half against these Buffalo Bills, ending their season for the third time in the postseason. Jake? Yeah, I mean, this is this is a rivalry. There's no bones about it. Now, what I will say is I think it's 
a healthy, respectful rivalry. Mm-hmm. You look at the Chiefs and the Bengals, and it, that 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 there's real vitriol yeah. in that rivalry. I think on this side, it, it's a true respect, coach to coach, quarterback to quarterback. I, I think you know this this is the game for Josh Allen. Like this is we've we've talked about it all week. This is the boogeyman coming into your house. It is, and I just I. I I think the two days of extra rest the Chiefs are getting. I didn't even factor that is in. It's yeah. huge. Um, you looked last week when the Steelers were in Buffalo. It took a little bit of time, but eventually Mason Rudolph looked looked pretty comfortable. Well, it was because all three of their linebacker mm-hmm. positions had backups. Yep. yep. And you'd mentioned it. He was carving them up a little bit, and I think that that is uh, you know that is going to be huge. For this team, uh, their linebacking core is decimated, just absolutely decimated. And, and I don't, I, I think we're going to see a great game. There's a reason why this is the last game of the weekend. This, this game has all the juice. This has all the juice. The other games, real nice stories, mm-hmm. really nice the, stories. Yeah, but this is the heavyweights going at it, you know. And, and so, with that said, I locked into it two days ago. I got three and a half. <laughs> and it quickly jumped back down to three, and then now it's at two and a half. So, I mean, that's a big deal. I think it could. I, I think this is going to be a three-point game either way. Um, but I think the Chiefs go in there and, and and pull it off. I just don't. I don't think the Bills. I, I, what I what I see, and what I've seen throughout the last this run. Let's just say the last seven games the Bills have been on a run is that they allow teams to stick around. And when you allow a team like the Chiefs with their pedigree to stick around, mm-hmm. they're gonna they're gonna get inside the Bills' heads. Like, it, unless the Bills go out and, and punch them, and then the Chiefs have to play from behind all game long. Yeah. That's the way the Bills beat the Chiefs. You go up 10, 14, and you keep you keep their your hand on their head, and you keep keep them swinging. Right. That's where the Chiefs don't want to be. The Chiefs need to get the ball first, or in the first possession, score, yep. and, and then and then game on. Yep. Then we're going to see it. But I think the longer you leave the Chiefs alive in this game, the more that that creep thought comes in your head: Are they going to do it to us again? Mm-hmm. And I think the answer is going to be yes. Look, Josh Allen looked great last week. They had designed. We talked about it before last mm-hmm. week's game. They're going to run. They lean on him to run the ball in the postseason. His numbers. Look, he's a great scrambler regardless, but they will call 7 to 10 running plays for Josh Allen. Yep. Where they probably call half of that many in the regular season. Mm-hmm. And he's a danger. He's a threat. Um, and we saw that in a 52-yard scamper he had against the Steelers. I look at the Dolphins game, the week, the play, basically the playing game mm-hmm. for the division yep. in Week 18, and what happened was Josh Allen turned the ball over three times in the red zone and the Dolphins could not capitalize. And it took a 95-yard punt return to swing that game. Mm-hmm. And without that punt return, I don't believe the Bills win that no. game. No, there was no momentum up until, uh, up until that point. Right. And I think if the Chiefs can turn Josh Allen over, just win the turnover battle by one, I think the Chiefs will at least capitalize that on points. And I think that's going to be a big deal. I think it's going to be a huge deal. What I saw out of the Chiefs last week on defense is that this defense is going to travel. They're mm-hmm. on a mission. And uh, those, McDuffie, Sneed, I think they're going to handle the, 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 the wide receivers' digs. And, and Gabe Davis is a big – that's one to watch. Yeah, He's on the injury He's, report. If he can't go, you know, look, you know, Shakir. Shakir, look, yeah. He, he, had a great, he had a great touchdown last week. But 
he's not he's not Gabe Davis. He's not the deep threat that Gabe mm. Davis is. And if you remove that deep threat, if Gabe Davis can't go, that's big time trouble for the Bills because he's the one that opens the top of that defense. He does. And if if, if you don't have him available, then you can just sneed. Here you go. Mm-hmm. Follow Diggs. Follow Stephon Diggs. And we've seen Diggs' antics on the field in the past. And Sneed will get inside his head. You can frustrate the hell out of him. And what you'll end up seeing is they're, they're going to have to go to like you know 12 set with double tight ends with Kincaid and Knox. And, and they're, they're, they're going to have to chip away at, at, at the middle of the field with, with, with the Chiefs. So it's going to be great. It's going to be a fantastic matchup. Two great coaches. You know, I, look, I think McDermott is a great coach. I think he's underachieved, and, and if there's any other quarterback in this league he's not going against, then he's probably made a Super Bowl at this point. But it's Patrick Mahomes and it's Andy Reid, and it's, that's unfortunate for him. Because um, I know you're not a big McDermott fan, correct? No, no, no I'm not, I am not a big McDermott fan. I can acknowledge he wins games. Yeah, He's won a lot of games. I just think, as you've kind of alluded to here, the longer the Chiefs do things well in this game, when it's when it's close late, I think that's when McDermott really shows the type of coaches. Whereas Andy Reid, being a Hall of Famer, elevates the team a little bit more. I just think if this game is 17-17 with five minutes to go in the fourth quarter, I would put all of the money in the world on the Chiefs because they're not going to make the big mistake. I could have just jinxed them right there. <laughs> but to me, we've seen Josh Allen do it far too many times. Yeah. We've seen John McDermott do it far too many times. I do want to take one quick break here and come back with something that you just brought up with this Diggs and Sneed matchup. Because I do think that is where this game... There's like five reasons here. We'll get into more of them tomorrow. But one of these main reasons I want to highlight as to where I think it can dictate everything. And it kind of falls with Legereus Sneed and Stephon Diggs. So we're going to dive into that next, coming up right here on The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN, Kansas City. We are wrapping up the shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez. Big one coming up Sunday night at Highmark Stadium in Orchard Park between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. And we want to give about as much of a breakdown as we can over these final 10 minutes or so. And really, the majority of tomorrow's episode as well. We really want to focus in on the Chiefs and the Bills. Not that that's the only thing we're going to talk about, because there'll be some college hoop stuff I want to dive into tomorrow. But for the rest of today, I want to bring up a matchup that I think will dictate a lot uh, in this game on Sunday night. And that's going to come down to Legereus Sneed, who has been snubbed from the Pro Bowl, from all pro honors, and I would say uh, just widely underrated for whatever reason and he may get a, a very big payday coming up this offseason he will he will yeah <laughs> Jason goes far to say he will he will I mean if Charvarius Ward who didn't even have the type of year that Snead has had this year in his final year with the Chiefs I'd imagine Snead's gonna make more than yeah. Charvarius Ward I mean, no Ward got all pro honors as well even if season. he gets franchised he's gonna make 18 million dollars mm-hmm. next year I mean he's he's highly paid if if we can see what he adds to this defense, the, the, everybody in the league who's in the front office is, can see this. I mean, I think yeah. he was snubbed, and the players on this team, the defensive players around him, they're on a mission for him almost. Yeah. 
he he's one of those cornerbacks too where you know we kind of fall in love with interceptions i remember chiefs fans did it with marcus peters um a couple years ago with trayvon diggs and dallas like everybody's like that's the best cornerback in the nfl because he picks off everything then I think the best cornerbacks in the league are the ones like Snead, where you're not even thrown at. You might be thrown at a couple of times, but the star-wide receivers he's been going up against and they don't do much, it, it's an unbelievable list. It reminds me of Darrell Revis in, yes. in the heyday. It like, primed He just Revis shuts Island. down half the, half the field, mm-hmm. and, and quarterbacks don't even look at him. Yeah. Like, that's, that's what, when I see Snead and his effect on, on the games and taking mm-hmm. out top-notch wide receivers in this league, it reminds me of Darrell Revis. And I, I think for this game, you brought it up, which is why I kind of wanted to you know, end the show with this. Stephon Diggs, of course, the number one wide receiver for Buffalo, is an emotional player. A very emotional player. Uh, we saw last year in the AFC Divisional round, Buffalo and Cincinnati, Diggs lost his cool on the sideline. He was mad that he wasn't getting the ball uh, because the Buffalo offense was struggling and Josh Allen just simply couldn't get it to him. And that's where I think a lot of this game is going to be decided early on. And you know what? Legereus Sneed is a very, very intelligent cornerback. It would not surprise me if he is flagged early on in this game intentionally. Because we saw Sneed do this. Oh, man, who was it against? It was, I think, wasn't it? Jamar Chase, it was Jamar Chase, not in the, it led to a scrum later on, but you remember when he's pressing at the line and he just goes and bulldozes somebody, or after the play, he'll just start pounding on somebody. He may get flagged depending on how, you know, much the officials let it play on Sunday night, which is going to be Sean Hockley's group and... I think for the most part, when the Chiefs are playing, there's not many flags thrown against Buffalo. There's been flags thrown against them. So I know Bills fans are not happy about that. But for the most part, it's a crew that lets him play out a little bit. We saw last week, Jerry Sneed press Tyreek Hill and bury him into the ice. And he's a physical, big cornerback that I do not believe a lot of number one wide receivers want to go up against. Even big wide receivers like Devontae Adams have not had much success, and that's why I think this game can really play into Kansas City's favor if Snead has one of those games against Stephon Diggs. If you take Diggs out of the rotation in the first 15 minutes or so, he's going to start boiling over, and that's where there's going to be the flags called for unnecessary roughness or taunting and stuff like that. And that's why Steve Spagnuolo is going to have Legereus Sneed traveling all game long with Diggs. Now, I will say this. That's not the only way you stop Buffalo. you got to slow down James Cook. you got to make sure Gabe Davis, if he plays, doesn't take the top off the defense. Uh, Shakir in the slot, that's another guy you can't lose focus on. But we all know Josh Allen can feel comfortable when his security blanket and Stephon Diggs is operating within that offense. He is not being locked up, but it's a very tough task. I mean, Legereus Sneed is one of the best coverage cornerbacks in the NFL, and he's physical. He can mentally drain you as a wide receiver. And there hasn't been one receiver this year that has popped off against him. I mean, he's been stacked up against Adams. He's been stacked up against Keenan Allen. Uh, Justin Jefferson, 
Uh, you look at, of course, Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill twice. I mean, Stephon Diggs in one go-around, and Diggs didn't do much in the game in Kansas City. It just feels like there can be a message and a tone sent early on, and it's the, it's because of this defense, number one. This defense is the best one Patrick Mahomes has had in his career, and as Jake, you pointed out yesterday, it may be the best one that he ever will have. Like, And you don't want to waste a year when the defense is that good, but it's just a... It's a defense with an identity, a nastiness to it, and it's because Chris Jones is there, of course. You know, you have Karloftis and Omenahue feeding off of that, but in the secondary, it's LeJarrius Steen. He's what gives that defense a lot of its flair, a lot of its tenacity, and that's exciting going into this game, whereas in years past, even last year's group, if the Chiefs had to play Buffalo in Buffalo, I don't think I'm trusting that defense in the way that I'm trusting it on Sunday. I mean, I, I think Snead, this is one of those five keys, and we may bring up four more tomorrow. But if Legereus Snead can eliminate Stephon Diggs in this game, I think it heavily plays in favor of the Chiefs. Heavily, heavily, heavily. Because that's forcing Josh Allen to win the game with Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid and Shakir and Gabe Davis if he plays. And I think you roll the dice if you're the Chiefs, if that is the case. I I don't see another world in which Stephon Diggs is eliminated and the Bills put up, you know, give or take 25 to 30 points. I don't. It's not an offense that can do that anymore. I mean, Jake, we know that Snead's likely going to have a good game. I mean, he's very rarely this year been targeted a lot and burned. So you know there might be a couple of plays where Stephon Diggs gets the best of him. But overall, this feels like the matchup on defense. I'm not even looking at the defensive line. Of course, you want the Chiefs to get pressure. But to me, it is one on the defensive side of the football, depending on what Snead does to Stephon Diggs. Yeah, and we saw Snead do something that I've never seen. And I've seen Tyreek Hill play a lot of football, and that was put Tyreek down. And that just mm-hmm. doesn't happen. I want to play a real, real quick piece of audio yep. of Snead after the Dolphins game. And he talked about you know, getting in guys' head and, and how that is a part of his game. Particularly physical with Tyreek. He drove him to the ground. Like he got pissed off afterwards. Just take me through that and how important it is to be physical with him at the line of scrimmage when you going up against him. Uh, you know, man, it's just in my game. Man, I like to get in people's head. And, you know, the guys know it. It, it was a hell of a jam I got on him, and he didn't like it. Yeah, could you tell that affected him and maybe you were starting to get, he was starting to get frustrated? Oh, yeah, you know, it's cold out there. You know, that's part of it, too. And those guys were ready for that. Could you, could you, could you tell the cold weather was affecting that? Yeah, I could tell. They had their hands in the pocket the whole entire game. Yeah, so I knew we had them. How did it feel to you compared to what you expected? Oh, man, you know, it was cold out there, but, you know, mental. A lot of people feel like you should have been a pro bowler. How important is it to go out there in the playoffs and show people that you are a pro bowler? Oh, man, bowler. you know, God knows. God says how and looks low. You know, I'm a pro in his eyes. You know, I just I keep working and doing what I do. It's a great mentality to have if you're a cornerback. It's better than just, well, I, I want to uh, lock him down and make sure he has no catches. It's a it's a psyche thing. When, as he said, when it's cold, if you're getting buried into the ice, if you are getting you know constantly beaten down, it's going to frustrate you. And where Tyreek Hill can be an emotional player, Diggs is twice that. Right. And I think he knows that. I think Chase is twice that. I mm-hmm. think Chase and Diggs are very similar very in terms similar. of their, their mindset and, and their talent, too. Yeah, but I I think that you're definitely going to see the Chiefs trying to jam them and get in their heads. Oh yeah, and, and, and try to get them off their game. And you know the good thing about pressing Buffalo is Josh Allen's not really a 
a fade type of lob it up their quarterback. He really wants the play to open up. I and mean, I don't think Mahomes is either. I, I think Allen and Mahomes are very similar. Burrow, on the other hand, if he sees press coverage, he'll throw the ball up to Jamar Chase and go win at one-on-one or with T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd. With Buffalo and Kansas City, they're much more of uh, using their quarterbacks and the play call and then using the arm strength and the power to fit it in where it needs to be fit in. It's not going to be a scenario where he's got Snead and Diggs one-on-one. It's just, hey, I'm going to float the ball up to Diggs because Snead's bigger than Stephon Diggs, and he's more physical, and and that's going to be a matchup I'm very much looking forward to on Sunday night. Chiefs Bills, 5.30 on CBS. More talk on that tomorrow morning. But that's going to do it today on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I've been your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez. We'll talk tomorrow at 10 AM. You take it easy, Kansas City. Jack, don't you come back.